This podcast is part of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed may not reflect those of other podcasts or affiliates of this show or Gunna Geek. Check out other geeky podcasts at GunnaGeek.com. And get ready because geekiness commences in three, two, one. It says you're enhanced, but you look the same. Do you want me to enhance my uh, fist into your asshole? Wrong choice of verb. Would you like that? If I did that? It's not the right verb. Mm, maybe you're a pirate hooker. Mm, I don't even know what that means. Well, this is going to be a short podcast. Is it? I've got about three hours of stuff to talk about. Well, then you can do that. You may do that alone. audience and welcome to this unqualified gamers episode 86b 87 i think we'll leave this up to cody in terms of what he wants to uh to label this particular episode but this is john here from unqualified gamers and you'll notice that i am pioneering blazing a new trail as it were in that this will be the first episode where I am recording it without uh, the assistance of one Cody Goff. So I think we can all assume that this may be the best episode that is ever recorded. I think I could probably just say that up front. Uh, you know, we've talked about it over these past few podcasts, but Cody and I are just so busy over the summers. Um, and we really want to keep bringing good content to you guys. Uh, or just content in general. I guess it doesn't have to be good. But we really want to keep bringing content to you guys over the summer, um, even though we are not the most available. So this is one of those weeks where I actually had slightly better availability than Cody did, and so I said, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. I think I'm going to do it. So here we are. Um, So it'll probably be more abbreviated than normal, of course. This is because I don't have um, the witty banter... Uh, back and forth, obviously, the ability to put Cody in his place, let him know where he uh, is wrong, be able to correct him, those kind of things, which normally takes, I don't know, 80% of my talking, right? Um, but I do have a couple of things that I, I want to talk about, so so that's good. Um, if you've never listened to Unqualified Gamers before, we, we almost always start off the podcast talking about some things that happened in our life over the weekend, because we are real people. Um, we are unqualified gamers because we typically don't have a ton of time to play video games, but it is one of our true passions in life. Uh, but again, we are both busy people, and so uh, we often do things over the weekends, especially uh, this time of year. Uh, for those of you that, that know me, I'm from Minnesota, and uh, very soon we will hit that beautiful time of year where I will no longer be able to leave the house Uh, except for work, because it's going to be negative 40 degrees up here. So I'm trying to enjoy every bit of time outside that I can. And this weekend, for some reason, and keep in mind, you know, we're, it is October 1st today, and this was the last weekend of September, it was like 80 degrees outside, which is, uh, it was almost uncomfortably warm. Um, And on top of that, I actually had the weekend off, which as you know, I work every other weekend, listener. Uh, and so this was like, this was like the 
ultimate weekend for me. Uh, so the wife and I and uh, and Max, our boy, went uh, went one of the days and we walked around a lake, our favorite lake, our favorite lake in the cities. It's called Lake Calhoun, a very popular lake in the cities, um, like right near downtown Minneapolis. And it's a nice like three and a half mile walk around the lake. Uh, and then when we got done, because we worked off, I, you burned what? How many calories in like three and a half hours of walking? Like two, I think it's about 2,500 calories you burn. Um, and so we, after burning off that many calories, we were like, well, we're starving now because we burned off so many calories uh, that we decided to go to a little burger joint in, uh, in uptown Minneapolis called Burger Jones. I had never been there before. I guess this is like a staple, ultra, mega, awesome burger place in Minneapolis. I don't know. Again, I had never been there before. Casey claims... I've I've known Casey for a long time. She claims she's been there like 10 times, whatever. And like every other person that I know in Minnesota that I've talked to since since we went here has told me, oh yeah, Burger Jones. Like, you've got to go to Burger Jones. Everybody goes to Burger Jones. I had never been there, so we went there. Um, they claim that they have got the best burger in in the Twin Cities or they've been apparently given that award um, I am a I'm a burger connoisseur thank you very much I felt I would be the one to make that that judgment um, so they've, they've got awards for best burgers they also have an award for the best Bloody Mary apparently so we went on a uh, we went on a Saturday and one of their special deals on a Saturday was a $5 Bloody Mary mason jar. So a mason jar is a big old, big old glass. Um, and a Bloody Mary is like my favorite drink of all time. Like legitimately my favorite drink of all time. So I, of course, got one. And listener, I will let you know, if you like Bloody Marys and you're ever in the Twin Cities, they actually kind of have the best Bloody Mary. Uh, they use a bacon-infused um, bourbon that they make the Bloody Mary with, and it was phenomenal. But the most important thing that happened was I got what was called a white trash burger, and I made it a double-wide white trash burger. On this burger, it was it was two third-pound patties, first of all. So I'm already at two-thirds of a pound of meat. And then they smothered it with Velveeta cheese, chicken-fried bacon, so bacon that had been breaded and deep-fried, and cheese curds. Now, they were the best cheese curds that I think I've ever eaten. And I've eaten a lot of cheese curds. Uh, and the bacon was, you know, chicken fried. And it was an enormous amount of meat and Velveeta cheese. It was honestly like the best burger I've ever had. So that was like the start of my phenomenal weekend. And this is the kind of meal that like... Casey... Casey got just a normal sized burger and it basically made her sick in terms of the quantity of food that she had. I got this double wide burger. I demolished the whole thing, but it was one of those types of things where we ate at three 30 in the afternoon, did not eat again for the rest of the day. I did not put another scrap of food in my mouth. It was an outrageous amount of food. Uh, the perfect day, just the absolutely perfect day. So then we came home and we kind of comed around the house. Um, we basically couldn't do anything productive after that at all because of just the amount of food that we had eaten. So that was great. Super fun day. Had a fantastic time. And then Sunday was like was was football Sunday. I got to watch a ton of football. We had some friends over. I got to watch uh, my Vikings beat up on the Falcons. Super awesome day for football. Um, so that was all great. Had a fantastic day. Fantastic weekend. 
Um, and that was like that was like the the big the big fun stuff that happened this weekend. Um, some other stuff, some other housekeeping issues. Uh, those of you that that know me know that I am a huge horror movie fan, and we are officially in my favorite month of the year. We're in October. Uh, the whole month leads up to my favorite holiday of the year, Halloween, uh, and horror movies being my favorite genre of movie over the next few weeks, I'm sure I will, I will, my goal is probably about 10 horror movies in the month of October. That's kind of what I'd like to get to. If I got a double feature at some nights, I'm, I'm going to, but I, you know, I bought a bunch of Blu-rays of horror movies specifically for this first Halloween, um, that I've got Max and that I've got a Blu-ray player that I can play horror movies on. Uh, so I'm super pumped for that. I'll be watching horror movies all month. So you can uh, look forward to to me talking about a couple of those over the next few weeks. This kind of wraps up the weekend that I had. Um, I downloaded Shadow of Mordor. Uh, this game had kind of been on my radar for a little while. Um, ever since the talk about it um, out of E3 came out. So there were some murmurings from all the different outlets that I follow about this game Shadow of Mordor and about how it actually seemed like it was pretty cool. It was a new IP. Um, it's its full title is Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor, and it's it's made by um, Monolith uh, Inc. Monolith Games. This is not to be confused with Monolith Software, which who who makes Xenoblade, the Xenoblade Saga, who is uh, a now a subsidiary of Nintendo. That is a different company named named Monolith. I think this particular Monolith made. You know what? I don't know what they made. I have no idea what they made. I think this is kind of their first foray into AAA games, or it's at least, I think, going to be their, their biggest success from just initial reports here. But um, I've, I've, I'm only about three hours into the game. Um, it came out on Tuesday. Of course, I worked all day that day, and so I didn't have a ton of time to play it then. And I'm recording here on a Wednesday night, so I've had a little time to play it. I'm, in, I'm about three hours in. Um, and I had been following this game for a little bit after E3, uh, and the game is a Batman clone with um, it's it's like a it's like a uh, mix up of Assassin's Creed uh, after two so Assassin's Creed two through where they are now and and Batman the uh, the Batman particular beat 'em up style of the the Rocksteady Batman games um, just merged together right so it's got all of the open world exploration. Of um, of Assassin's Creed, so you're you're jumping around, you're um, you're climbing, like you're holding A to run, and then if you jump into a wall, you'll immediately climb the wall. Um, you'll it's it's got just the exact same movement scheme as Assassin's Creed, and then you'll very frequently fight these large groups of enemies that you fight using a carbon copy of the Batman Arkham Asylum Arkham City style of games. So it's like an it's 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 almost like an open world exploration Batman game, kind of like they've already made. The difference being you're not Batman, you're a guy with a sword. Um, it's incredibly brutal, incredibly graphic, um, which is a little bit different than Batman. Um, like the execution the executions which which happen in Batman um, also happen in this game, only this in this particular game there are actually executions. You're not just knocking people out. You are quite literally like decapitating them, shoving your sword through their neck, that kind of thing. Um, all of this sounds kind of contrived when you describe it that way, except there's this 
secondary system that's layered on top of this open world game that they have uh, dubbed the Nemesis system, which is really where the interesting part of the game is. And again, I'm only three hours in. I've only um, kind of scratched the surface of this system. But it seems, if it delivers on kind of what it's promising, it seems like it's going to be really awesome. So from what I can understand, from what I've played so far, uh, you are this elven ranger who, um, and if you don't want any spoilers at all, I'd turn it off now and fast forward maybe five, ten minutes. You are an elven ranger who, uh, whom at the very beginning of the game, his entire family is killed, and he is killed, and he is then sent to this dimension between life and death, kind of where the ring rates live um, in the lore of of Lord of the Rings. Um, and so you've got this undead guy that is like part of you. He's a wraith. You don't know anything about him. Uh, but he basically tells you that you need to go kill the... Like, your mission is to go destroy the Shadow of Mordor, like the the, the head bad guy in the Lord of the Rings series, the Shadow of Mordor here. That's your that's what you're tasked with. Um, and he's going to help you do that with his wraith powers. So you're like half undead, kind of, I don't know, undead in Tolkien's world is kind of what you are. Um, and this wraith gives you a bunch of different powers, right? Because he's a wraith and because undead things have powers. Everybody knows that. Um, and that's pretty much it. You just get dumped into this open world and just like in other open world games, you've got little indicators on the mini-map that kind of tell you where to go. So you, you run to those things, and that gets the party started. And this nemesis system that, I, that I'm talking about here is uh, the Shadow of Mortar has uh, different clans of Uruk, or orcs, that are, uh, that, are in, that are subordinates to the Shadow of Mordor, to... Or to Yes, to the Shadow of Mordor. So, these clans have various hierarchies um, that govern them. And what I mean by that is, like, there are five chiefs at the head of each of these clans, but underneath them there are uh, captains. Like, lots of captains. And you go into this menu, and at the very start of the game, everything is, is a black shadow, so you don't know the identities of anything. Um, but as you gather information, which you do using open-world exploration. Um, you can interrogate certain orcs to get this information. Um, but as you do these interrogations and gather intel, you kind of gain the identities of these various orc uh, Uruk captains. So then you're tasked with like going out and killing these captains. Um, so, for instance, I'll go out, and I'll be exploring, and I'll just run into one. And... Um, the camera zooms in on their face and they get like a splash screen with their name on it and they say a bunch of stuff um, that can sometimes funny, sometimes dark. Um, they basically identify themselves as a captain. They are a stronger version of a normal enemy. Oftentimes they will have some special abilities. Um, and once you kill them, they basically create a vacuum of power at that level in their clan structure. And so, what can happen is if you if you subjugate this particular like portion of this clan, the subordinate orcs to that level of of like the clan structure basically join your side. They become subordinates of you because you have shown yourself to be 
a superior of that particular clan. So you can then use those orcs in various, uh, like, combat situations. You could, like, use those orcs to infiltrate another another um, branch of this, of orc rule, right? So, like, you can, you can basically pit these particular clans against each other, is what it boils down to. Um, that's one of the things that you can do. Another thing you can do is, like, if... If you are tasked with the, the the task of killing one of the head clansmen, well, all of these clansmen have various powers, like I was saying. And some of them might be, like, immune to melee damage or immune to arrows. Um, and if that's the abilities that you have been beefing up on your character and you realize, oh, there's no way that I'm going to be able to take down this particular orc, what you can do is you can use another clan basically start like a, a war between the two clans have one clan kill the orc leader for you and that will and what happens and the cool part about the particular politics of these clans is if an orc dies and it is not to your sword it is to, it is within the artificial intelligence of the game world um, if an orc dies another orc will shift into that orc's place and take that position of of captain in the hierarchy of, of structure. And so what it would allow you to do would say, say you've got a leader that you know, like, man, there's no way I'm going to be able to kill this particular leader. What you can do is you can have another clan kill that leader for you, and a new orc may get into that position whom has weaknesses to the types of abilities that you have been training on your character, and then you can very easily kill that particular orc leader and complete the quest that you're looking for. So what it allows you to do is it allows you, uh, it's, it allows you some more flexibility in terms of how you engage with these particular quests that the game sends you on. Um, some of these quests appear um, just kind of randomly throughout the world. So, like, I was walking, and there was... I got... I killed an orc... a slaver... I killed a slaver um, that had some elves working on one of the walls of Mordor. Um, the, the walls of one of the, the basins of in inside of Mordor. And uh, when I did that, a quest immediately opened up because the, the slave told me that there were slaves that were being worked so hard that they were dying in this one area. And so a quest popped up to go there and free those particular slaves. And so there's a captain there that I am then tasked with killing. And so there are a couple ways I can do this now. I can like go down there. I can literally just run right up and go, uh, you know, guns blazing, attack him with sword right up front. But if he's got immunity to combat damage like that, I'm going to do quite literally nothing to him. And he'll probably kill me very easily. Uh, but what I'm probably going to end up doing is gathering a bunch of intel around that area that gives me his weaknesses and his strengths seeing if that's a task or challenge that I'm able to do right now, if not, either come back to it later, or find a way to move a different orc into that particular position um, of power, and then maybe kill that orc, like I was saying before. So there's some really interesting stuff with the Nemesis system. I'm sure I'll be talking about it more down the road. That's just kind of my first blush with it, but it seems super-duper interesting. I think without it, this game would very easily settle into mediocre. I think uh, with it, if it if it proves kind of the promises that it has made so far up front, um, it's going to be really, 
really awesome. So that's kind of my first blush with Shadow of Mordor. I expect a lot more on that later. Um, and then finally, the last thing I want to talk about, and I, I am going to talk about this with Cody too, because this was something that I wanted to talk about last week and I totally forgot about. Um, but I wanted to talk about, and I don't have a good name for it, but they're basically, for me, they're, they're comfort games. Um, this got brought up as something I wanted to talk about because I was perusing the App Store on, on the iPad looking for something new, um, actually waiting for Shadow of Mortar to come out. I kind of burned myself out on League of Legends a little bit. Um, and so I, uh, I found that Square Enix had released Dragon Quest Four on the App Store, the, the uh, DS version of Dragon Quest Four. Now, Dragon Quest Four was a very rare Nintendo game. Uh, very rare. They did not make very many copies of it all. Um, and it was one of my most cherished possessions as a kid of Nintendo games that I owned, because I actually owned it. Um, it had the, I believe, and again, I'm an unqualified gamer, so I don't I don't know 100% for sure, but I'm like 90% sure that it had the distinction of having the largest, it had the largest amount of memory of any Nintendo game, if I'm not mistaken. It was like the largest Nintendo game ever made. Um, and and it also had the distinction in my mind of being like one of my favorite role playing games of all time. It was very it very much ranked up there in my childhood with Final Fantasy four and Final Fantasy six, which were also kind of my my favorite role playing games, right? Um, and so when I saw this, I was like, man, I haven't played this game in I don't know like six seven years. It had been a long time, so I downloaded it, and um, it was the first. Dragon Quest game to be split up into chapters, uh, and the first four chapters are all, you know, like, a couple hours long, and then the fifth chapter, when you take on the role of the main hero, is really where the, the game actually happens, and it's 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 long. It's at least, you know, 20-some hours, which, by the standards of an old Nintendo game, is very long. Um, so I sat down, and I started playing, um, and the first chapter went really fast, and I, and I got done with it in, like, two sittings, um, and then I moved on to the second chapter, and I was playing that, and I got through the second chapter. And before I knew it, I had sunk, like, eight hours in, like, three days into this iPad version. Which, it's not its not a particularly good version of this game at all. I would not, uh, I would not argue at all that it was. The controls are odd. Like, even for a touchscreen, the controls are odd. Um, normally, they give you a joystick that... Uh, that is, it, it basically, normally the way that these games work is a joystick will generate based on where your thumb your thumb presses down, the first time you press your thumb down on the screen. And as long as you hold it, there, the joystick will remain there for you to move around, a virtual joystick. Well, in this, the joystick is static in the bottom middle of the screen. It's the most awkward place for a joystick. So it was it's completely uncomfortable to play. But before I knew it, I had sunk like eight hours into this game. And I stood. I stepped back from it after all of that, after all that amount of time, and I was thinking about it, I was like, man, what is it about this game that just, like, draws me in? Like, wh- like, why did I just come back to this game with all of these other games that I haven't played in my library? Like, what just drew me back here? 
And obviously, it's a, it's a big chunk of nostalgia. It's a game that I, you know, I remember from my childhood, which has an incredible amount of power. Like, some of the most power when I'm talking about old video games. Um, but the other thing, and, and this is what I, I'm, I'm... Again, I'm going to talk to Cody about this next week, is just the idea of a comfort game. A game that you return to numerous times over the course of your life. One that had an impact on you when you first started gaming, in your childhood, in an important time in your life, that kind of thing, that you just, you find yourself drawn towards. And this was that game for me. Like, this, and a, there are a number of other games as well, but this just is is one of those games for me. So, I don't know what it is about just, be, maybe it is maybe it is having this this long adventure that you just kind of know, like, the back of your hand. Like, it's like, it's like reading an old book, maybe. Like, I know exactly where everything is. I know where all of the secrets are. I can navigate the maze-like dungeons of the game without even thinking about it. Um, maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe there was something going on in my life at the time, like the very first time that I played this game, where this game was, like, the escape for me. Like, maybe this was the game at the time that I could turn to, to get away from whatever it was that was not going right in life. Maybe it was that. I don't know. All I know is that, even though it's a, it's a bad version of the game, I'm getting this, this just, like, nostalgic, rose-colored glasses joy when I'm playing through this game again. And I, I can't describe it, because by all standards of games now, it's not a fantastic game. It does, it's... It's challenging, but it's it's not challenging necessarily because, like, it's fair and challenging. It's just, a, it's a challenging game because sometimes it's unfair, and that's the way games were made back then. Um, so, I'm kind of interested, listener, and um, we'll probably post something in our Google Plus page, as to what comfort games you have. Like, what are the games that you go back to years later, maybe time after time, you know, I've got some others I can use as an example. Again, Final Fantasy IV and Final Fantasy VI being fantastic ones. I have probably played through Final Fantasy IV 50 times, and that's not an exaggeration. I've probably probably played through Final Fantasy VI 20 times. I've probably started each of those games over 100 times. And again, that's not an exaggeration. Like, they are just games that I continually go back to. And that goes for all of the games in the Final Fantasy franchise. I mean, it's a game, it's a series that I just have this immense fondness for. And once a year, I will probably play through one of those classic Final Fantasy games. Um, so I'm just interested to know, listener, what those games that you find comfort in, uh, in are. And I know, because Cody is an even more nostalgic video game player than I am. I know that he will absolutely have something to say next week about the idea of comfort games, because I know that he definitely has some of these as well. So feel free to leave a comment on the video, uh, or I should say, this won't be a video, this is actually just going to be an audio podcast, probably posted as a YouTube video as well, I would think we'll find a way to do that. Uh, really, what's going to happen is I'm just going to task Cody with doing all of the editing work for me. I basically just get to do this particular amount of work and then kind of set it and forget it. Um, really, I've got the harder job, if you think about it. Um, 
But leave a comment on our on our Google Plus on the thread for this particular podcast as to what what games y- y- are your comfort games, and they could be contemporary games too. I'll be honest, Diablo three is probably a comfort game for me. Um, when I am in between video games and I am not feeling like starting something new, I will go in. I will run some rifts in Diablo three. I will run some bounties, collect some great loot, and hop out again for another week. And I'm totally fine consuming the game that way. So that may, you know, it could be a contemporary game or it could be a classic game that you just have this incredible nostalgia for. Either way, I know that we're both curious as to what you have to say. So thank you for joining me. I hope this was uh, an enjoyable experience for you as well. Um, the abbreviated pod- podcast thing, again, I uh, it's, it's hard to fill our usual six hours of podcast with a single person. I would be willing to Iron Man it, but I have many things to do tomorrow. So thank you for joining me, and we'll see you next week.